me ask you this question. What are the secrets in your life that you don't want anybody to know about? What's that, what's that thing that you're really hoping stays hidden? What's the phone call that could come that would freak you out? What's the letter that could arrive in the mail that would cause your heart to beat just a little bit more rapidly? It is, is it a phone call that says, Good morning, Mr. Couch. I'm from the IRS. Is it a, a registrar calling from the university saying, we need to talk to you about your, your coursework? Is it a relationship from the past or even a relationship from the present? that you don't want people knowing about. I've gotten this email probably six or seven times in the last three or four months. It's very important that you listen to this, okay? Because I don't want this story to go sideways on me, but I, I, I want to I share with you a story, okay? True story. So I've gotten this email several times over the last, oh, at least, at least, at least six times in the last four months. And this is what it says. It says this. Um, I have created software that, are, that has allowed me to, to, to tap into your phone. I've installed malware on your phone. Has anybody else gotten this email? Okay. It, it's, it used to be we would get this email that says, hey, by the way, I'm a Nigerian prince. <laughs> Need your help. And, uh, and, and your willingness to help me is going to work out really well for you. Uh, so the folks that are in that business, I guess that wasn't going real well, and now they've got a different tactic going. So they, they, send, this, they send this email, and it says this. It says, we've, we've installed some malware on your phone, and we've, we've taken over the camera on your phone, and we've recorded all of the pornographic websites that you've gone to, and if you don't send whatever amount of money in Bitcoin, so it's fascinating to me, Josh, that they, they always want Bitcoin, right? So if you don't send X amount of dollars in Bitcoin, and usually it's not a large amount, right? In fact, the one email that I received said this, as you can see, I'm not that bad of a guy. You know, I'm only asking for like $180 in Bitcoin. If you don't, if you don't, do this in five days. I'm also a nice guy. I'm going to give you five days. I'm going to send all of your history of all these pornographic sites that you've gone to all of your contacts, all of your friends. Let me ask you a question, sir, ma'am. Would that email make you nervous? Would that email make you nervous? Maybe not that email. But is there an email that you could receive that would give you pause? Can I tell you something? That's an easy email for me to laugh out and delete because that doesn't happen to be my issue. I'm not, I'm not 
trying to understate in any way the folks that struggle with that. I'm just saying that that's not my particular deal. But here's what I do know. I know this. I know that, that those types of ploys work because we live in a polluted world. It's reality. We live in a polluted world. And yet we're called to a life of purity. We're called to a life of purity. And when, when we look at, the, at this, this game plan that God has given us for life, right? And, we, and we've been going through in this series, Family Matters, we've been going through God's game plan for life and looking at the guardrails that he sets up for us. And, and this morning, we're, we're, we're at this. Do not commit adultery. Don't compromise the integrity of the relationships in your life. It's a command to be pure. And, and here's, here's what I want you to grasp about this issue of purity. Purity is not about pleasing God. Let me say that again. Purity is not about pleasing God. God doesn't call us to be pure simply to make him happy. God doesn't call us to be pure simply to where we're good representatives of who he is. Now, make no mistake about it. It's a value to our testimony to live a life that reflects the character, the heart, the integrity, the holiness, the purity of God. But friends, purity is for your benefit. Let me illustrate. I want you to stop for a moment. I want you to pause. What are those moments in your life, what are those moments in your journey where you chose purity and it's led to regret? I'll give you a moment. I, I thought long and hard about this as, as I was preparing for this message. I thought, Ed, what, what, are, what are those moments in your life? What are, those, what are those seasons in your journey? What are those steps that you have taken where you've chosen the path of purity and it's led to disappointment or regret? Can I tell you, I, Becky, I couldn't come up with one. Now, I'll tell you, on the other hand, there are Numerous times that I'm not going to talk about today because you, you might email me, right, and try to extort money from me. Uh, but there are, there, there are lots of other moments in my life where, where I didn't choose the path of purity. And in some it caused pain in a moment, in others it, it caused scars for a lifetime. And so that this idea, right, as, as God is laying out how to, how to relationally connect, those, the first three of the Ten Commandments deal with our, our vertical relationship, the relationship between us and God. God says this, I need, to, I need to be the highest priority in your life. Don't get caught up worshiping things. And don't misuse the name of God. Make sure that you've positioned yourself well. And then relationally you want to be relationally right. And smack dab in the middle of this issue of being relationally right, he says, do not commit adultery. Do not compromise the integrity of your walk. Do not compromise the integrity of your relationships. Don't do it. Because 
it comes with a high price. We learn this from the story of Samson. Sin, and especially that, that sin of adultery, listen, sin will always take you much further than you want to go. It will keep you much longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you a whole lot more than you want to pay. So it makes sense then to ask the question, how do we do this, God? How do we live pure in a polluted world? Because it's easy to conclude, to wrongly conclude, but it's easy to conclude that it's impossible. That it's impossible. But friend, God will never call you to anything that's an impossibility. Let me say this again. God will never call you to anything that's an impossibility. Now, sure, there are many things that are impossible without God, but the beautiful thing is this is God's called us to live this life with Him, right? And so I want you to know today, sir, I want you to know today, ma'am, that you can live pure in a polluted world. You can do it. And God has brought you here today not for you to feel bad about the compromises of your past, but to set you free from that which is trying to keep you bound. And to position you for strength in the journey going forward. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, we're going to look at verses 10 through 16. By the way, for those of you that have, that have, that have picked up one of those fire Bibles, and uh, we have fire Bibles available, I, I will tell you this. Uh, the, in my opinion, the best study Bible that's out there is the Fire Bible, and we, we make those available to you uh, at our cost. I actually think we sell them at a little bit of a loss, uh, and we do it because I love the notes that are in there. But for, but for those of you uh, that have picked up the, the, the Fire Bible, you'll notice Psalm 119. If, if you have it with you, that's great. If you don't, when you get home, take a look. The, the reference notes on Psalm 119, you'll see there, it talks about eight different aspects of walking in purity. Uh, and really, uh, it's, it, there's a, it just exceptional notes in there. I want to talk this morning about five, just five basic principles on how to live pure. But here's what, here's what David writes in Psalm 119, starting in verse 9. He says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. See that? He goes on in verse 10. He says this. I seek you with all my heart. Don't let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your commands or teach me your, your decrees. He says, I will, I will praise you for this. And with my lips, I will recount all the laws that you have given to me. I'll, I'll rejoice in all that you have laid out. I'll meditate on it. I'll meditate on your, on your precepts. I'll delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. God has given everything we need for life and godliness. He has already given everything that we need for life and godliness. And we see this in these, in these eight verses. He gives us this wonderful blueprint of, of, of what it means to, to, to walk 
to walk pure in a polluted world. In fact, I, I did this. I took a, I took a screenshot of the, uh, of what was it, what, what's in the, the fire Bible. For those of you that haven't had the opportunity to pick it up, let me say this. Here's what it says in the notes of the fire Bible. It says the second paragraph of this psalm lists the following eight ways, one in each verse, of how we can, as God's followers, how we can keep our lives morally and spiritually pure, free from corruption and resistant to the immoral influences that characterize the social environment in which we live. And here's what it says. It says this, that we, we can do this by making a firm and uncompromising decision to remain loyal to God's written word for the rest of our lives, by expressing our dependence on God through prayer, by committing God's word to memory, by looking to God for guidance, by taking a bold stand for God's truth, by rejoicing and delighting in what God says, by considering the outcome of God's ways as opposed to the world's ways, and by never becoming too busy to read and study the Word of God. I, I, I want I to I condense those into these five things. The first thing that I have to do is this, is I've got to check the condition of my heart. I've got to check the condition of my heart. So I want to ask you this question this morning. Is your heart right with God? Before you answer, you would do well, we would do well to pause. Is my heart, is my heart right with God? In the, in the emotions of my day, Do the emotions of my day reflect God's presence in each one of those moments? Do how I navigate difficulties, those navigation moments, do they reveal God's presence in my life? And a dedication of my heart to the Lord. I've got to, I've got to check the condition of my heart. And there, there are a lot of things that can steal our heart, isn't there? People can steal our heart. Things can steal our heart. Even experiences can steal our heart. And it's it's so easy to have these tugs at the heart get us to where we're misaligned. In fact, we did a series earlier this year where we talked about matters of the heart and we talked about the condition of the heart. And it's very easy for uh, us to develop an irregular heartbeat or, or to allow challenges. I, I, I think, uh, I think of, about Waking up early on Memorial Day and discovering that your house is on fire. Why oh, it'd be easy for that to, to cause a hardening of the heart, wouldn't it? To get, a, to get a doctor's diagnosis. We, um, we had a week ago Saturday, we had Dr. Joel Hunter come and speak at our men's breakfast. And he was absolutely brilliant. He shared, 
he shared the loss of his son, who his son committed suicide, and he, and he shared the, the tragic death of a grandchild who at a very young age uh, died of, of a, a rare form of, of cancer. And, and he talked about some of the interactions in that and, and even people that called and said, you know, what can we do? And he said, it's, there's really, there's nothing that can be done. And, and God, God in his wisdom, God in his sovereignty chose to take that little one home. None of us are exempt from pain, are we? And it's, it's real easy to, for that to eat away at the heart. Fractured relationships. Frustrations with our career. People that come against you for no valid reason. So I want to ask you the question again today. How is your heart? How is your heart? Is it tender? Is it open? Is it yielded to God? Because I, I find it fascinating it, when we look at, at, at Psalm 119, how can I keep my way pure? It starts with the heart. So I've got to, I've got to check the condition of my heart. And the next thing I have to do is this, is I have to look at my steps, right? What does the, the activity of my day look like? Is there an intentionality about this? David wrote it so well when he said this, I have, I have with intent... I have hidden your word in my heart as a resource and as a strength that I might not sin against you. See, once I, once I consider the condition of my heart, then I, I've got to look at, at the steps of my life and also how I, have, how I have embraced this idea of faith. Believing Believing, God, that you're more than big enough. God, I will, I will praise you for your commands. I will worship you for your decrees. When my heart is right and my steps line up, what it will do is it will fuel my faith. It'll fuel my faith. And if my heart is right, and my steps line up, and my faith is energized, this should be evidenced by the communication of my life. Right? Because out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks. David says this, he says, my lips, when I speak, my lips will recount all of the directives, all of the laws, all of the guidelines, all of the guardrails you will set up. The communication of my life will evidence 
the positioning of my faith and the disposition of my heart. How's your conversation? There are certain things that I that I will not do. Let me tell you, Ron, something I will not do. I, I, I don't I don't engage in off-color humor. I don't do it, not even in jest. Because I know this. I know that I know that words have power. So I make sure that my heart is right. I make sure that my my activity lines up with my heart. And that my faith is healthy, trusting in God to to provide for my every need. One of the biggest lies the enemy has been able to perpetrate upon mankind is this, is that Christianity is not fun. It fascinates me. It fascinates me because it goes in stark contrast to what Jesus said, right? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you have, might have life and might have it in abundance. It is recorded about Jesus, it says this, that he came enjoying life. Can I, can I, I'm going to let you in a little secret this morning. You ready for this? Christianity is not dull. Christians are. Okay? Serious. That's straight up true. Christianity is not dull on any stretch of the imagination. Christianity can be pretty exciting. I had the opportunity to see a dead man come back to life this year. Uh, that's pretty cool. I've I've seen God do the miraculous over and over and over again. And I come into a church and I experience the presence of very God. Let me tell you, there is no concert that can happen at the Amway Center that's going to rival what you can experience here on a Sunday morning. Not just in the quality of the musicianship, but in how it's going to move you. There's nothing, nothing that Hollywood can give that will compare to genuine worship. Right? I understand for a lot of folks, they go to church and all they hear is a funeral dirge. I'm not living in that camp. I'm not doing it. And, and listen, Jesus said this. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I, 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 and I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. I tell you this so that my joy may be in you and that joy may be complete. So my hope for you is this today. That that song that they started with this morning, I've got joy down deep in my soul. I hope that was more than just a song for you. I hope that's a reality of where you're at in life. And if it's not, I've got great news for you. You're in the right place. 
Because what God has done is God's brought you here to where you could come to an altar, drop off the baggage that's keeping you from walking in joy. And he wants you to leave here with a smile on your face, a song in your heart, and a swing in your step. Far too many of us, what we've done is we've tried to chase after the pollution of the world, thinking that that's the key to putting a smile on our face. And it can for a moment. It really can. It can for a moment. Right? The writer of Hebrews recognized that when he said this. He says, there, 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 are, there are pleasures in the world. But they're for a season. That season's pretty short. But when we walk, when we walk in a disposition, disposition towards purity. By the way, on a completely unrelated note, it, it fascinates me. The way that life moves and the nuances of life, some to which can rightly be attributed to spiritual warfare and some of it that's just a reality of life, okay? And I don't know if it's spiritual warfare, and if you know me, I don't try to find an angel behind every curtain and a demon every, under every rock, but I do recognize what the enemy is doing and the enemy works in our midst to try to bring discouragement, distraction, frustration. So this morning, knowing that I'm going to speak on adultery, I get up this morning, I couldn't find my wedding ring. Right? So I'm standing here, I, I, Jody and I, on the 27th of July, we'll be married 34 years, I don't have my wedding ring on. Okay? Don't read anything into it. Okay? Let me tell you why I don't have my wedding ring on. I don't have my wedding ring on because I was fixing sprinklers yesterday and doing work in the yard. Right? So I took my wedding ring off because I'm dealing in all this dirt and all this muck. And it's somewhere in my bedroom but I don't know where. And, and when I got up this morning, I had the choice of getting up with plenty of time or I had the choice of hitting the snooze button. Peter already knows what I chose. By evidence of the fact that I don't have my ring on because I didn't have time to find my ring. I know that temptation is going to come my way. You know how I know that? Because Scripture tells us that temptation is common. So I know that I'm going to face temptation. Because I live in a world that is polluted. And I have this enemy that works real hard to try to bring me down. And so do you. But God says this. He says, you can be confident that you will not face more temptation that you can handle. And when that temptation comes, that well, God will give you everything that you need to be victorious over the temptation that comes your way. So Lisa, I, I thought about this this morning. I thought about coming here and, and I, thought about, I thought about bringing a nice big glass of lemonade. 
and offering it to somebody and telling them that it's 90% pure. When I was, when I was younger, my brothers um, loved to persecute me. It, it really, you can only describe it as persecution. And, uh, and one of the things that, one of the things they did, many things. So um, I've shared this story here before. I, 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 two of my brothers shot me with a twenty-two pistol when I was six years old. Yeah, thought it'd be funny. It wasn't. Um, we had a, a transformer from a neon sign that you could, it, it, it had such power that you could arc your name into the, and put your name into the concrete floor in the basement of our house. They would attach that to our doorknob and call you into the room. And, uh, and one time I was, this is after we had moved to Florida. Uh, I was out mowing the grass, and uh, my brother Pete said, Hey, saw you're out there mowing the grass, and I thought I'd make you some, bring out some lemonade. I should have known better. Seriously. Um, uh, uh, Pete has gone on to be with the Lord, but Pete was evil, pure evil. And uh, it's, tr- it's true. Um, and uh, I had the opportunity about six months before my brother Pete passed away, I had the opportunity to lead him to Christ. And even that was an interesting deal. He calls me. I'm watching Monday Night Football. And he calls me and he said, uh, hello? And I, I'm like, oh my goodness, I think my, this is my brother Pete. Hadn't talked to him probably five years. And uh, he goes, do you know who this is? And I said, sure, this is Pete. I took a chance. And he, and he says, listen, I've been thinking about our blankety-blank messed up family and your life is the only one that works. You need to explain to me why and so I was trying to be very gracious and he goes look you stupid blankety blank you didn't call me I called you just tell me I said fine you want to know what your problem is I'll tell you what your problem is you're going to hell let me tell you why you're going to hell okay and this is the reason why I'm not going to hell so there you go he's like what do I do well you need to you need to get on your face before God and can I do it now sure will you will you help me pray this is not how I thought this conversation was going to go. Right? So anyway, when we were younger, he comes out and he goes, should have known. Right? Evil has a face. And, uh, and so um, he comes out and he goes, here, here's some lemonade. I'm thinking, miracles happen. Right? Prayer changes things. And uh, so, and I'm really thirsty because I'm out in Florida heat mowing grass and I take a big drink of this and it's it's probably it, it probably is 90% lemonade and it's 10% alum now for those of you that don't know what alum is alum is what turns cucumbers into pickles <laughs> I'm pretty sure that my cheeks touched in the middle it was 90% pure 90% pure any of you want a nice, refreshing, refreshing glass of water that only has 5% dirt in it? Anybody? Yet somehow, somehow when it comes to living our life, we'll go, I'm 80% pure, I'm pretty good. I'm 90% pure, I'm pretty good. Pastor, this is the one thing in my life where I have where I'm not pure, and really it's no big deal. God's call to purity 
is not about him. It's about you. How do I stay pure in a polluted world? How do I handle the temptation that comes my way? By living according to your word, oh God. Well, how do I do that? First, I'm going to seek you with all my heart. So God, won't you reposition our hearts right now? And God, once, I, once I've settled my heart, I need you to have control over my lips. That my conversation shifts from that which is unholy and ungodly to that which is godly. The activity of my day, oh God, And then the focus of my thoughts. How's your heart? What's your conversation look like? What's the activity of your day? What are you spending your time allowing to come into your mind? It's interesting when when Jesus talked about this issue of adultery. He said that if you're not careful, what you'll want to do is you'll want to convince yourself that the only issue is the act. And he said, once you engage in the act of adultery, You've already drifted much further than my plan for you. You've already drifted much further than what's good for you. It's about purity. How's your heart? It's about purity. What are your thoughts? It's about purity. How's your conversation? It's about purity. What are you feeding your mind? Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.